following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And it is time for another edition of Mick Shots as we get you set for a press conference coming your way at 2 o'clock Central Time. That's when the head coach will address the media, Mike McCarthy. We'll get more information on what's going on here at the Star. But we've got our source for information, of course, one Mickey Spagnola. But before Mickey says anything, we've got Everson Walls hooking up remotely for this edition of Mick Shots. Hello, Everson. Hello, can you hear me? Am I delayed too too badly? You're doing just fine, just fine. Just hang right in there. Yeah, excellent, excellent. I will. Thanks, guys. All right. See, before, we probably wouldn't have figured out how to do this with him not with us. But before because, the pandemic, and yes. now we figured out how to, even even if you are away, you can yes. still be a part of the show. He, so. As long as he's got Wi-Fi. Yeah. All right, Mickey. Yes, I have Wi-Fi, and guess what else? Guess what else? I am about to try and watch the show and be on it at the same time if I can. I don't know if I can do it. (laughs) Everson Walls is multitasking as uh, we speak. Yes, make sure you you mute the show, though. Yeah, you got to make yeah make sure that your your volume on whatever you're watching it on your iPad or whatever is all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, So Mickey, bring us up to speed on what we know as of. 102 on a Monday after the Cowboys Texans as we enter the final week of training camp, really. Got uh, five more cuts to make tomorrow. Got to get to 80. Uh, so who knows? They may do it at some point today or. Although yeah, last week they waited until 3 o'clock minute. on Tuesday afternoon to make the, I wonder if to you announce wa- the five cuts. I wonder if you wait uh, till then tomorrow if you're practicing. Like, oh, yeah. Don't no. want to practice and get somebody hurt, that, right? And that could be the difference there. Because yeah. you recall last week there we had the Monday night practice. Exactly. And so they got one more look at those players and see where they are, make sure everybody gets through that practice okay. Because well, you, you don't want anybody that you think you're going to cut pull a hamstring. But it is a morning practice tomorrow, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so you might as well wait and make sure. Not nope. if you know they're gone. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah. you never know who somebody's got. Oh, you know, I, my hamstring. Hamstring, my hamstring, and uh, I, I need oh, an injury there settlement. Go. There you, know? you go. That's a great point. Yes, Everson? No, what I was going to say was, you know, we never really talk about um, what the players are feeling uh, when they know that cut is coming. You know, when cut day is coming, it's, uh, you know, a little bit discerning for the players that, are, that know that they're kind of on the chopping block, right? I remember being a free agent, me and Michael Downs uh, were in the same room together, not drafted. We have all these 25 rookies back there with us, also looking, not looking forward to the cut date. And you know when the knock is coming on the door, do they still knock on the door when they went training camp? Do they still come knock on the door and, the Turk and ask, for the, uh, ask for the playbook? <laughs> We have technology now, Everson. They can just text you to uh, Coach McCarthy wants to see you. <laughs> so, but at least they won't say, 
They don't. They won't text you and say you've just been cut. Yeah. Don't come yeah. back. Just bring uh, your, drop playbook. your playbook on. Yeah, but you know, you know what it means when you get that text, though, right? That's the knock. It's still the knock. That's right. So that's what I think is so bad. I remember being in bed uh, because they would come early in the morning, and you knew when the cut was coming, and I, I, I was literally trying to go to sleep because you could hear the knocks coming down the hallway, right? I mean, you're in the rookie door, so the knocks are coming down the hallway. And you're hoping that it's almost like in the Bible, right, Bill? You know, you, you got to put the blood on the, the lamb's blood on the door, right? On the doorpost, yeah. And hope, hope they pass. You hope it passes. You know, you hope it passes. Oh, man. Such a feeling. Such a feeling, man. Yeah, you didn't want to see Bruce Mays walking down the hallway right. towards your room. He, he was right? the guy. You Bruce did Mays. not. That's right. So other than that, um, you know, I think we got a lot to talk about because uh, after that uh, preseason game, um, you know, I think we have a backup quarterback controversy. Yes, we do. Or at least a competition mm-hmm. that's real, right? You know, this franchise yes, has been known yes. for quarterback controversies going back, um, well, at least <laughs> at least to 1970 oh with Stavok and Morton. But right. probably before that, too. And now, No, we, you can go even further, yeah, yes. You, uh, and Y.A. Tittle, Y.A. Tittle, right? <laughs> Eddie LeBaron and... <laughs> Eddie LeBaron, thank you. Eddie LeBaron, thank you. Yeah. Um, And so now we've got a backup quarterback controversy. Well, I mean, what do you think? Because, you know, Cooper Rush looked awfully good, and they really hadn't had a chance to see him that much because he first had the back issue. He missed practice in training camp, and then he had the shoulder dinged, and he missed practice. And so they were intent on getting him more reps in the first half than he had been uh, previously. And, you know, after two series, they brought him in, and, you know, he played pretty well. And, you know, I don't know if Gilbert took a step back or whatever, but it'll be interesting to see tomorrow how they divvy up the snaps if Dak is not in there right away with the first team when they go to team uh, and, and see if they give Cooper Rush some of those because Gilbert's got them all. So far. So so we'll be able to tell who's the first guy up after Dak. You would think so, right? Or at least That's they want to they yeah. want to see, right? And I think they need to explore it because you know, again, if you don't have a clear-cut winner, then you don't have anybody you're really you know, sink your teeth into. And you might have to keep both just to be sure that you got one. And Everson, before you chime in on this, I want to ask Mickey one more question about that. Now, you talked with Mike McCarthy before the game. It was on Countdown to kickoff on the pregame show. And I know that the plan was to use Gilbert and Rush in the first half. Right. Do you think that the plan was – Two series for Gilbert and then Rush, or did they yank them because because they didn't like what they saw? As it turned out, Rush got in basically midway of the first quarter. I think they the plan was to get him more than Gilbert in that first half. Maybe get him some with some of the guys on that first team offense, which is only fair, right? Uh, and I think he took yes. advantage. I think he took advantage. You know, and and from from Gilbert's standpoint, you know, I, I understand what happened. Uh, but again, when you step up in the pocket like that, you got to know that the clock's ticking. You got to get rid of the ball. You can't be looking around and still holding on to it. And 
Uh, once you step up, the ball's got to come out. And he he hung on to the ball, and you get a strip sack, and it leads to a touchdown. So that was not going to get him any. Well, you know, you can't any, blame you just can't blame him. Blame it all. You know how they, when it comes to a sack, it's all about the lineman and the quarterback working together. Uh, I think the flash of uh, on rushing players coming in. You know how it is. The quarterbacks get uh, like a deer in headlights. He saw it coming, and he just really didn't have a way out. He kind of panicked while he stepped in, and you know that happens with a lot of quarterbacks. But it always looks bad for you as a quarterback when you're trying to establish yourself. And here, and the timing is bad now, right? He comes in, he gives up a sack. His stats weren't all that good. You didn't see him impress you in any way. And all of a sudden, Cooper Rush comes in, and he balls out. So the timing is really bad in regards to Gary Gilbert. But how seriously do the coaches take his lack of initiative in his first couple of series. Well, I think if you listen to Mike McCarthy uh, after the game, uh, he didn't seem too enthused about Gilbert's performance. And again, mm. my point is when you step up in the, in the pocket like that, you got to assume someone's coming from behind, right? And that's what got him. Uh, and then the thing that, that Cooper Rush did, number one, the, the touchdown pass to Cedric Wilson in the back of the end zone, that's a heck of a, not only a heck of a read, because he Ooh. explained afterwards that he knew he was getting one-on-one -on -one into the back of the end zone, and number two, it was a heck of a throw. And then on the, on the screen pass to Pollard for the touchdown, they blitzed, and, and they blitzed right into the screen. And the, the neat thing that happened there was that Pollard chipped the guy that was blitzing and then got out in the flat. Inside. Yeah, and he got out in the flat and, 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 and opened himself up for Cooper Rush to throw him the pass. And then, you know, the offensive lineman did a heck of a job getting out in space. Uh, Zach Martin Beatish. and Tyler Biotish, <laughs> yeah, to, to get him into the end zone. So, you know, you got to give him credit for, you know, what did he have, 10 of 12, I think, uh, completions? That yes, was pretty he good. Was 10 of 12. So I, I just think it's going to give them something to think about. And the other thing about it, as far as uh, Cooper Rush is concerned, the Texans, uh, when you look at, at who he's going up against, the Texans still had first-teamers in the game. So it was a good gauge of – it wasn't like he was doing it against their backups. And, and really, when you look at the That's makeup yep. of the Texans roster, what they did in the offseason, they acquired a lot of uh, veteran guys who are basically making the veteran minimum. And so they are experienced guys in the league. It wasn't like he was going up against rookies. Right. who aren't going to be playing in this league. And so I think it was a good gauge for, for what Cooper Rush can do. And I think the other tipping point was they left those first team, other than Tyron Smith, they left the rest of the first team offensive line in there for him to work behind. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that one goes, and then just keep your can't, eye can't on you the waiver see, wire. Can't you see how important this time is for Pollard? You just see him uh, – getting even better and better, learning the defense more and more. He is going to be one of the most capable backups in the NFL this year. He is going to be extremely important to us, especially towards the beginning of the season, because, you know, let's be real, Dak and, and, and Zeke, they're, they're going to be a little bit rusty 
during the first part of the season. And this, the, stale, the, 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 the really uh, consistent players and consistent ones that showed up, uh, guys like Pollard, guys like Biotish, you know, those players are the ones that you're going to see. They're going to kind of carry the, the baton a little bit more than you would want them to during the regular part, the first part of the season, because they've gotten the most work. Well, and I think there's a lot of fans out there who, who think that, uh, that Pollard should have been getting more work to begin with. Uh, but but uh, you, you can see how Pollard will be used more than he was. It's it only natural because he's making progressions in his career, uh, and now in his third year, uh, there's more of a confidence level that he can pick up a blitz, he can do, he can do things, and it makes Zeke all the more fresh as he goes uh, deeper into game. And I think the other thing you will see, you will not see it in preseason, is them lining up Zeke and Pollard at the same time. I think you'll see some of that. And, and, and a lot of that is because both of oh, them... Oh, that would be nice. Both of them <laughs> are threats in the pass game. I mean, you could you can line up uh, either Pollard or Zeke in the slot if you want to, and they can run routes from the slot. Exactly. Now, the other thing... And it's what I wrote about uh, after the game Saturday night was the best thing I saw in that on that night was Dak Prescott's workout prior to the team came out. All right, let me hold you on that. We're going 45 minutes today. We need to take a break. And so when we come back, we get the scouting report from Mickey on Dak Prescott Saturday night at AT AT&T Stadium. Here we go. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. It's game day. You know what that means. First, kebab prep. Steak, pepper, onion, steak, pepper, onion. Next, a counterclockwise lap around the room. Now, the lucky grease-stained jersey goes on. And lastly, the dance. You know the one. This is a game day ritual no matter where you are. Whether you're traveling to the game or watching from your favorite vacation spot, book a place to stay on Hotels.com and keep the tradition alive and well. Hotels.com, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Back, back, back. to mixed shots. 
The New Era Sideline Collection has landed in stores so fans can wear the same headwear headwear? I was going to say headgear as the team. Just head to the Pro Shop, your official store of the Cowboys Nation, and get the 2021 New Era Draft Cap. Visit your local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop or online at shop.dallascowboys.com. Everson. Oh, Mickey's back. He's back. That's the old Mickey. Okay, so He's back. if you're I writing, miss you, man. I miss you, baby. If you're writing this 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 script here, you've got so fans can it's wear somebody else's fault. Fans it's can wear the fault. same headwear. Right? Wear and headwear. It should have been headwear. Well, yes, we know. Yes. Oh yeah. man. Here we thought last you week. You should have pre should do a pre-read. You got do a pre-read. Yeah, so I can edit the copy, right? (laughs) Here, let me look at the next one, Fan of the Year. Here we got through a flawless week. We thought Mickey had spent the whole offseason working on his reading skills, and now it feels like we're we're in regular season form already. Headwear and wear. I'm telling you, you can't do that. All right, the most important thing that happened on Saturday night at AT&T Stadium. What was it, Mickey? It was Dak Prescott's one-hour workout. One hour? One hour. And he spent nearly 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, doing his uh, rehab for his ankle, uh, doing the on the cords, off the cords, uh, sidestep, lunges, high steps, you name it. Uh, he worked these 15-yard uh, exercises with Britt Brown uh, for nearly a half hour. It worked up a good sweat. And then he went to the throwing session. Now we got to the important stuff. And for about 30 minutes, he threw to T.J. Vasher, who's still on uh, physically unable to – no, he's on non-football injury, mm-hmm. and Zeke. He threw pass after pass after pass, right around 50 passes. Scripted, looked like. Scripted. Doug Nussmeyer had the script in his hand. He was throwing outs, ins, stops, uh, swing passes, uh, even dropping back under center and handing the ball off to Zeke. uh, And everything was flawless. He had no problems throwing the football, uh, showed no sign of any problem with the strained muscle, uh, the lat muscle that has kept him out of uh, the competitive part of practice throwing uh, since July 28th, I believe the date was, and, uh, and only one ball hit the ground. And as Mike McCarthy said, yeah, that was that wheel route that Dak didn't run or Zeke didn't run right. Uh, but other than that, every pass was right on the money. Uh, now, he didn't throw any nine routes, like throw it 30, 40 yards. But, you know, when you're running the 20-yard uh, uh, out, that, that's a, probably a 30-yard pass. So what this was, it was like a pro-day workout for Dak Prescott. It, 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 exactly what it was. And this is just a longer version of it. And the only thing that was missing... So were, were the fans able to see No, that? no. Were the it was fans before, able to it, watch it, all it, of that? It was before that. That's why I thought it was so important okay. to point that out. Uh, and the only thing that was missing was a pass rush, although at a couple times the guys that were helping him did 
kind of cross the line of scrimmage with their hands up in the air to just kind of try to distract Did them. they have the broomsticks out? No, they, they didn't okay. have the broomsticks out. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the basketball, Bill. That's for the basketball, baby. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that brings me back to, um, I think Missouri was going to play uh, Houston. I think they were playing Oh, Elijah here we Lon. go. Here, here we and in go. Practice, know, and in practice, they were, they were using broomsticks <laughs> up in the air to, to simulate somebody that was seven like two, Akeem whatever he was. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the, the, it was it was he threw more in that workout than he would have if he took snaps in the game. Because if he took snaps in the game, he might have thrown ten passes. He so that threw fifty. So they should have charged separate admission, and someone could have come in and, and that's that what and I was going to say, yeah. Bill. There yeah. you go, baby. Yeah. That's maybe. what I'm talking and then, about. And then maybe the fans would have loved that. Oh my God! So here, here's an idea. I got an idea for Sunday morning. Okay, yes. we advertise the stadium tours. Okay, and so you've got a pregame before the gates open. This is to watch the DAC workout. It's a stadium tour, and you can uh, charge high dollar to so watch DAC. That, that means about ten o'clock in the morning, nine thirty. You, you need to. Open no, no, you, you got to coordinate it with DAC. Right. Where DAC. Has his when are workout. you coming out? Well, if they open the gates at 10, then Dak needs to go ahead and do his workout between 9 and 10, and we've got the Dak Stadium Tour. There you go. There you go. Need to do that. Hey, but, now, but again, but Dak's got to get his cut now. He's got to get his cut. But Don't again, forget. he threw more. He's already got his cut. <laughs> he threw more passes in that workout, yeah, right, uh, than he had if he had played in the game. And as Jerry Jones said on the pregame show, that if this was Tampa Bay tonight, Dak Prescott would have been the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe they should have invited in Adam Schefter, who so, okay, okay, Mick, created I, a fire ah, That's where I was headed, right I, there. there you go. That's where I was going. That's where I was going. Yeah, so Mickey's not <laughs> buying the, the report that there's going to be issues as the season goes along. You know, anytime you're coming back from an injury, you can always have issues, but let's not act like the issues are going to hamper him when he takes the field against Tampa. The only issue he might have is just getting in the swing of things, looking down the field. But I guarantee you they've got how many days now before that opener? At 17, I believe. 17, and they're probably going to get five to six, ten practices in. And, I'll, and if he gets in against team, he'll start to see that stuff. They still have the opportunity. doesn't have to play in a game, but they still have the opportunity to play against the Cowboys' defense. So I have a question. Uh, where in the heck is Adam getting his information from, number one? And I, I also have to want you to ask, answer this one as well, uh, Spags. Um, is Dak being patient with this plan, those are the two things I want to. We're going to find. They're, we're going to find out tomorrow night on Hard Knocks. Right. <laughs> they're they're making him be. That was right. <laughs> they're making him be patient with this plan, and and as Jerry went on to say, uh, if 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 we're gonna if we're gonna try to keep him at rest, then let's double down on the rest. So they are being more cautious than I think they really need to be to try to make sure that this doesn't reoccur. Uh, and I don't know where – and see, if this was a big story, then, then 
what should have happened is ESPN writes a big story. But this was just said, my understanding, in passing in an interview. And then later that night, or the next morning, ESPN writes a story quoting sources saying that Dak's ready to go. So I think, you know, got the Twitterverse all fired up. Uh, but again, yes. my my information was this was a two to three week deal. They're on four week, almost four weeks now, I think, or going on four weeks, and that it was a mild strain. If there's grades one, two, and three, with one the least and three the most, his was a one. Okay, so have you said all, all you need to say about I have. that? Okay, what was the second biggest thing that happened on Saturday? 72,000 people showed up. It was a big crowd. Whoa. It was announced as 72,000. Yes. Whoa. And you know what? And that there were people up in the 400 section. Yeah, that's what, when I saw that I said, "Wow, this is a big crowd for a preseason game." And ever since they passed out those cowboy towels and people were waving them and cheering in a preseason game. <laughs> and the other part of it is ever No, since, they wanted them to put them around their heads. That's what they wanted. The other the other part of it is they stuck around too. I no, mean, in the they fourth were there quarter to the they, end. Yeah, they were and and by the way, I checked the TV ratings too, and the TV rate they were people were sticking around really? through all three of the second half interceptions too. So the other, the other, oh yeah, way to go, Denutes. I didn't say, I didn't mention him by name. The other encouraging note, you didn't have to. The other encouraging note was the play of the defense, or I should say, the continued play of the team's uh, first team defense. I know they gave up that first uh, touchdown. Their mojo moment wasn't great, right? After the fumble, yeah. uh, Houston got the ball to 23 and ended up scoring. But in the first half, the Cowboy defense only gave up 77 yards. And after those 23, if you do the math, all the next possessions in that first half, they gave up 54 yards. Longest gain in the first half by the Texans' offense, eight yards. Eight yards, right, mm-hmm. in the first half. In the I think first for, half. And, and so – uh, I, I just think they played awfully well. And, again, they were probably having to adjust that first series because Dan Quinn wasn't there calling the defense. Uh, yeah. we got a new coach, True. Joe, Joe Witt, uh, the secondary pass game <laughs> coordinator, was calling the, calling the plays. And McCarthy said that there was a couple things that they needed to get settled that first series. But after that, they shut and, – and they should have shut down Houston, right? They're playing a backup yeah, quarterback. Yeah, they weren't that good. Uh, and they didn't they have much good. out there. But and the good quarterback thing is we not did exactly what we should yeah, have done. That, right. That quarterback's going to be starting for him. Well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they did it other That's than true. other than that first series because 18 of the 23 yards they gained were rushing. They shut down the run. And that was encouraging, especially since Neville Gallimore wasn't out there, and Oso Digizu, I thought, did a nice job in his place. Well, I thought I thought the uh, the moment that they had for the Cowboys was just when Cooper Rush came in with that amazing drive. To me, that was a nice mojo moment. He led them all the way down, pinpoint passing. Of course, ended up with a touchdown to Cedric Wilson, who, by the way. Is a playmaker, guys. I mean, we already knew this, but I think Cedric Wilson is just going to be one of those players that we will always need in the clutch. Uh, whenever our triplets are not doing well, I think he's going to be the guy to come through for us. 
And I must say also, the other moment for Saturday night was Noah Brown getting off, answering the bell. You know, I think he's feeling that pressure uh, from uh, Simi. Did I say his name right? Yep. Simi. He's feeling the pressure from Simi. And he came through with some great passes yesterday. And he's always physical on the blocking standpoint. But I just love the way he came through with a couple of really nice catches and a lot of uh, extra effort after one of them. But the one on the sidelines, of course, just in the, it, it was really showed uh, that it was going to be Brown's day as well as Cooper Rush's day. You know, and we talk about Noah Brown and, and his salary. We we looked it up as one point two million this year. It, it, look at Cedric Wilson because he he had that uh, restricted free agent tender of two point one million dollars because he's in the fourth year. And so when he came into the off season and into training camp, there's a lot of pressure on Cedric Wilson. Teams around this league love to find a young rookie who can come in and take the place of a guy who just got restricted right. free agent money. But they love Cedric Wilson inside this building and so his yep and he has just confirmed this offseason and this training camp in preseason games that he deserves that spot and oh he's, he's great insurance for did you see how did you, see, you see how excited Dak was for the, uh, the the sideline catch by Noah Brown that lets you know how people are pulling for him as well because Dak was really geeked when he came down and got the got his foot in and got the, the elbow in. I don't think those two kick. guys have done good. anything to suggest they shouldn't be the fourth and fifth wide receiver. And if Simi makes it, they're going to have to keep six, I think. Well, and, and the other part of that is yeah. I mean, the wide receiver position is a position of strength. But you have to anticipate, that, okay, if you had an injury, even just for a couple of games, you have to make sure you have enough depth at that right. position where, it does, where that position of strength drops off. And I think they feel good about their fourth and fifth guys. And you know what? This kind of reminded me of Walt Garrison with Argyle's own Nick Ralston. <laughs> if you need one yard, Nick will get you one yard. <laughs> if you need five yards, Nick will get you one yard. He'll get you one yard. Don't, he, don't give it to Nick. Don't give it to Nick. He looked like he looked like he was pulling that Mack truck. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got that one yard each time. Nice blocking, and again, his deal. <laughs> will be special teams. Can he continue to, oh, to make plays on special teams? Here's another thing to consider uh, when you when you consider do you keep a fullback on the final roster or not? Look back at McCarthy's time in Green Bay, and he had a fullback, John Kuhn, right. uh, for years uh, with the Packers during McCarthy's yeah. time calling plays up there. And, so, and you know, he has an impact on uh, or great influence on what they're doing offensively here, even with Kellen Moore calling the plays. And so it'll be very interesting at cut-down time uh, what the decision they make on whether they keep a fullback or try to uh, get him through waivers. You know, and a lot of that might depend yeah. on what happens with McEwen uh, as the third tight end. Uh, he's got that high ankle sprain. Do they think he'll be back soon enough, or do they need to keep him on the 53 and then put him on returnable IR? He has to miss three games, but you would want three tight ends for sure. And that might make room for Jeremy Sprinkle as the third for that time, that particular time. Or they can tell Sprinkle, hey, look, we're going to waive you. If you clear waivers, we're going to re-sign you because McEwen's going on 
IR. And and the other thing on keeping a fullback is that this is where your pro scouting department comes in and the guys that are they're scouting the other rosters around the league and knowing that there's only a handful, maybe 10 teams in the league that even can play a fullback. And so are those teams looking to pick up one or not and how important is it to those teams uh, whether you whether you're going to try to slide them through or not? Cuz Lua was going to make this right, team. Right, exactly. And and but so, he brings more uh, Yeah. Offensively, because you could use him as a one back, right? Although Ralston probably brings more as far as a blocking back goes, right? And know. and special teams, yes. probably. Yeah, that's right. You know, and it, and, it, and it sort of reminded me of the full, kind of fullback dilemma the Cowboys were. I don't know, five years ago, maybe Keith Smith. Remember, mm-hmm. they he was a I think it was a linebacker, and they turned him into a fullback. Uh, and then he was a special teams guy. The guy's still playing. I just saw the story about his aunt and uncle out in <laughs> California. Uh, they'd lost their their house in in one of the wildfires. But he's in, he's with Atlanta uh-huh. now. He's still playing. Yeah, and he's been with Atlanta a couple yes. of years now. And uh, and that's the other thing with Ralston is he played some linebacker, and that's why that he's he is more effective on special teams than you might expect. He played some linebacker at Arizona State also, and so he understands what it takes. I mean, the Seahawks have a Pro Bowl fullback in Nick Bellore, who is now playing linebacker for him during this training camp, and so that's that's something that any fullback needs to do. All right, we need to take. A break and let's uh, talk about that defense when we come back here on Mix Shots in just a moment. At Smoothie King, we are blending goodness to fuel your greatness. Every blend is crafted to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Smoothie King uses only whole fruits and organic veggies. You'll never find sugary syrups or artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. And unlike some other smoothie places, there are zero grams of added sugar in many of our blends. Smoothie King is proud to be the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. Place your order in the app or online for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, Cowboys fans, ready to spice up your next watch party? Bring Yokiero guacamole and be the game day hero. Yokiero means I want, and we know you want, great, fresh-tasting, ready-to-serve guacamole for your home-gating and tailgating events. Made with real avocados and the perfect blend of spices, it will be the star of any party. You can find us at your local Albertsons or Tom Thumb in the deli section. If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them, Yokiero, Yokiero guacamole. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Back, back, back to Mick Shots. 
Does your Cowboys fandom go beyond the game? The NFL Fan of the Year contest is back, and we're relaunching the search for one extraordinary Cowboy fan who is a positive influence and inspires others through their love of the game. Nominate yourself or others for the chance to win a trip to the Super Bowl Super Bowl 56 <laughs> in Los Angeles. Oh, Nominate today almost. at DallasCowboys.com slash fan of the year. It was that close. Uh, okay. You were uh, right there. And they, tr- and, they tried, and they tried to make it easy for me because they put five, six for 56. <laughs> You got distracted. Not L. What would it have been? He was anticipating. He knew he was going to have to read Super Bowl something. And he was anticipating Uh. the Roman numerals. And then he saw, oh, they made it 56. And that tripped him up. I mean, the train train was on the track. It was rolling. It was Silver Street headed down. And then it just, oh. Just got off track just and a here, little bit. Here came, here came Richard Pryor and messed it all up. There you go. <laughs> all right, how about that Dallas defense on Saturday night? Our, this was a continuation of the first two preseason games. I believe over the first two preseason games, if you just look at, uh, I think it was the either the first teamers or the first half, they had given up uh, two field goals. And now it's two field goals and the uh, turnaround touchdown, 23 yards. So they've been playing awfully well. And uh, this has got to be one of the things that turns around this team is this defense has to play well. Well, I recall when uh, I joined the Cowboys, one thing I knew I had a chance at, at being was a uh, was be able to make the team simply because Cowboys DBs were just not good at all back in the nineteen back in nineteen eighty itself. Uh, I won't call out any names, but you know you had some guys back there really big footing it behind seeing these fast fast wide receivers and getting beat for a lot of yards. And when we the reason for them signing twenty five defensive backs as rookies was because we needed to show up the secondary. And hallelujah, here comes Michael down first. They finally gave me a shot. You know, we had Dennis Thurman. We started moving some things around to make it happen. We tried to remedy the situation of giving up touchdowns without making plays. Now, here we come now. We, we were giving up so many yards, historic yards, as far as the rushing game is concerned. And here, here they come with this rookie named Osa. Osa? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm not even going to try to say Oh, come that. on now. Come on. <laughs> a digazua. A digazua. A digger. Digger, dude. A digazua. Oh, digazua. Oh, digazua. Yeah. I like oh, digging digazua. myself. This, diggy. Diggy is balling, guys. Diggy is really balling. And it's really important for him to make this move, not just for the team, but for himself. Because when, when Gallimore goes down, you know, somebody's got to slide in somewhere within that unit. It could be the same position, or you can just show up a, a particular position and be able to be more diverse with the players that are remaining. So him being there, playing so well, also is giving Dan Quinn a lot of options for the season when it starts because he is in there making plays. And I don't just mean stumbling into plays. He's making timely plays and understanding the moment itself in the ball game. And yes, it's a preseason game, but there are still moments 
in a preseason game where coaches want to see you have that mojo time, that mojo moment. He's been that guy pretty much his entire preseason that has been making plays consistently, not for the team, but especially for himself to make that team. I would like to point out, Mickey, that Aaron Mitchell did have three interceptions in 1980. <laughs> I ain't called no names. I called zero I know, names. I know. I'm just, I'm just pointing out the interception leader, Steve Wilson, had four picks. And how many did Benny Barnes? Benny Barnes had one in 1980. So there you go. Just bringing everybody Benny up to is speed. my exception. Yeah, Benny that's right. is my that's exception. Right. He had a right? great career with the Cowboys. And, and here's here's another great career. Good, You're damn right. That's another right. good sign is the the <laughs> linebackers are playing. I think really well. Uh, now, when they finished the game on the tackle chart, uh, the the leading tacklers had four. Three of them were linebackers: Van Der Esch, Jabril Cox, and Luke Gifford. Now. Some of those guys, the other, they, they were playing the second half. But Vander Esch had four plays, and he looked really good uh, out there. And then that combination of Parsons and Keanu Neal on the nickel. And there was one uh, setup they had Vander Esch and Parsons out there uh, at the same time. So uh, I like w- the way they're functioning from a linebacker core. They seem to know what they're doing, where they're supposed to be going. Uh, there's no, uh, you know, seemingly disorganization the way it was the year before, especially with the linebackers. And right. think about this. They, I didn't, thought, they I didn't have Carlos Watkins out there either, who was considered the, the one-technique starter uh, when the COVID protocols came up with Dan Quinn and Watkins. Those two had to head home. Uh, so they ended up with Brett Urban uh, out there at the one-technique. Uh, and then rotated Bohanna in, and he actually starting to show up a little bit too. So um, mm. 6'4", 330, I've got to find some space for him on the field. <laughs> well, I like the fact that the defensive backs were trying to get their timing down. Uh, you didn't see them really giving up many plays, and they made a few. They had some knockdowns. Uh, Brown had a, a good game at cornerback. Uh, once again, he's not going to be that guy that's going to make interceptions for you. But the fact that he was glued to his wide receiver in that game was something. I saw Nashawn Wright trying to set the quarterback up for a pick six, and he almost did it. The quarterback just happened to throw a horrible pass. <laughs> but he timed that just right on that out route, the quick out route. And if he would have thrown that anywhere close to the wide receiver, that was going to be a pick six. These are the kind of things I like to look at from defensive backs to where they're being very strategic on how aggressive they can be. I saw good stuff in right. the ball game. Okay, then uh, Everson, number 24, um, is uh, when they 17 days from now when they open the season at Tampa Bay, who is your starting cornerback opposite Trayvon Diggs? It will – unfortunately, it will not be Nation, right? Uh as much as he's making plays, I don't think well, he's going to be. I mentioned you by I number really twenty-four because I was getting at number twenty-four, Kelvin Joseph, the second round. Of pick. course, and then of, of course. course you and you yeah, just said course. that you were impressed with Anthony Brown the other day. So if Brown's a starter right now. Do you mm-hmm. think he's going to be starting in, at Tampa Bay? You know, I'm hoping Brown at some point uh, can realize how good he is, because when you've got that kind of talent, you're that quick. You know, forget size. 
He has the physical ability to make plays, but mentally he just doesn't seem to uh, advance. And now you got these young guys coming in and they are thinking uh, aggressively, more aggressively than a guy like Brown is. So I want Brown to step up and be the veteran he's supposed to be because otherwise you've got Joseph and you've got Wright. These guys are thinking like veterans and they're carrying themselves like veterans. All they do need to do is put that together with time on the field and making plays. Let me answer that question. They'll probably go. They'll, they'll probably be safe. They'll probably be safe and go with Brown. Absolutely, to start the season. because Tom Brady would eat Kelvin Joseph <laughs> up. Oh yeah, I forgot who the opponent was. <laughs> I, I don't want to. Well, Tom I don't, Brady's going to eat a lot of people yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, but especially a guy that's only played eleven games in or started eleven games in college. And the other side is a second-year corner. And then, okay, so then uh, the following week you got a second-year quarterback in Justin Herbert that the Cowboys face, and then the third week it's a second-year quarterback in Jalen Hurts. It doesn't matter. They, Kelvin Joseph's got. It really does. He's got to make up some ground hmm. because he keeps getting beat. Now he can catch up sometimes when he gets beat because he's got that kind of speed. But there's too many times down the field he gets beat. And he's guessing a little too well, much. I, I, I would have to say, Brown needs to step. Up. When you see these young guys coming in with their particular attitude and with this, uh, with this, this reputation that they have, this is his year to step out. He has not done that. He has not separated himself in any way from the other cornerbacks. And with him being the veteran, even though he's a young man, with him being the veteran, I have been disappointed at this point. I'm looking forward to him making me eat crow because I love to eat it. That means the Cowboys are going to be making some plays. So this is his year, uh, Spags, and I know you've always liked him, but this is his year to do something and step out and start making plays. This could be a replay of 92 when Cowboys drafted Kevin Smith in the first round. Uh, He was, a, I think, the 17th pick that year. And he didn't start until game 11. Couldn't get Ike Holt out of the And it, it was over after that. It and then it was over. That. And, you know, it was. But just because you're a high draft pick doesn't mean you have to be an immediate starter. You've got to kind of earn that and make sure you get uh, earn the confidence of the coaching staff. A repeat of 92. A repeat of 92. Let's see what happened Bill likes in 92. That. In 92, the Cal- okay, Kevin Smith, Pup, was the 11th game of the season before he Pup. starts. And then the Cowboys Pup. go on a roll. And they wound up winning the Super Bowl. And where was the Super Bowl played that year in 1992? January 1993. Where's the Super Bowl going to be played this year, Mickey Spagnola? Not in Pasadena. It's not Pasadena. Not quite. It's LA. It won't be Pasadena. It'll be real close. Be real close. Although, I wouldn't be opposed to Pasadena. Yeah, that was, you know that was that was the best setting for a Super Bowl I thought of all time. Wow, so, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right, I think we're out of time. We've got a Mike McCarthy press conference coming your way at two o'clock Central Time. We'll get an update on what's going on with the COVID protocols and uh, much more. The, one of the great things that came out of uh, the Saturday night's game, there weren't any injuries. Really yes, to, to absolutely. It. And we'll be back Very with good. Mick Shots at two o'clock on Wednesday. Two o'clock on Wednesday. All right. Next mix shot. Unless the next coach changes the schedule, right? All right. We'll see you again on Wednesday.
<laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?